0: It's almost standing room only here, so that's good, really good tonight. We love to uh, be able to put on a church service that people from other churches can join um, and just uh, be together as the greater body of Christ coming to worship God tonight. And an insanely good dinner coming up soon. You just have to sit through me talking for a little while and then you all get to eat. Uh, so I'll try you. This, cause go ahead. Now, if I can just see, I don't want necessarily the people who talk for a long time, but people who like to put up their hand and say one-word answers, I'll take those people. Um, I'll just yell it out there. First of all, what are some of the sort of Christmas themes when you hear a message or preaching or something at church about Christmas? What are some of the things and sort of one-word answers that, that gets focused on? Put up your hand, yell it out. Yes. Jesus, good. As a baby. Yes joy, peace. What about some of the stuff that went on? Thankfulness. Thankfulness. Yep. Yeah. Children. Children. Children, shepherds, sheep. He's got all the answers. Good work. <laughs> angels. Those are some good ones, aren't they? Yeah. Fruits of the spirit, the peace and the joy. That's right. I'll, I'll leave it there. So we've got the angels. we got the stable. One more. Love, yes. So tonight I'm going to focus on perhaps something no one's ever focused on, and that's the census. Woohoo! Get ready for a Christmas story on the census. Anyone, show of hands if you've heard a message on that before? Yeah, I didn't think so. I just read the Bible, and the weirdest stuff sticks out to me. And I'm going to share that with you tonight because I'm sure you've heard the, the account of, the, of when Jesus was born. I'll read it for you shortly. But the fact that there was a census is, to be honest, it's mind-blowing to me. And if that's the only scripture I had out of the whole Bible, then that would just keep me going every day of my life. It's just mind-blowing to me. And I hope that you feel the same by the end. See, my sister, did I even introduce myself? I'm Kylie. Uh, I'm at one heart. I do a bunch of stuff. Um, so that's it. So my sister <laughs> came from Brisbane recently. We're all, we're all from New Zealand, probably couldn't tell. And then she lives in Brisbane now. So she came over and she's the one who's really into our family tree. Does everyone have one of those in the family? I don't know, but she's really into it. <clears throat> so every time I see her, she brings like old documents and pictures and she weirdly thinks that I remember about what happened last time we met. So two years ago, we went to a graveyard at the bottom of New Zealand. And so this time last week, she's like, "Oh, remember so-and-so and so-and-so. I'm like, no, I don't really listen that hard. I just listen for the juicy bits. So she's telling me about the war heroes and the villains. Um, and one lady uh, who went for a walk in the rain across the fields to church, two days later, she came back married. Uh, that was interesting. Uh, Super exciting. This year she told me that uh, our relatives, like straight up the line relatives, actually owned Downton Abbey. Not just the Abbey, the whole village, yeah. I'm not getting any inheritance from that, so don't bother asking. Um, (laughs) She's actually traced our family tree back to the 900s. It's amazing. She's still going. It's pretty amazing, yeah. To 900s. That's a long time ago. Uh, and uh, most of the information she gets is from things like the census, uh, censuses, one, um, I mean we all experienced a complete chaotic census this year, that was a bit of a, uh, a disaster, considering that censuses, I what's the plural of census, censuses have been going on for thousands of years, like 6000 thousand years. The earliest recorded or documented census is from 3,800 BC. Um, they're often to do with tax purposes. So, that one in 3,800 BC or 600, whatever it was, um, they were d- repeating that every six or seven years, not only finding out where people lived, but how much livestock, um, how many, what kind of vegetables they had and how much butter they had, which is obviously relevant for tax purposes. Uh, There was a really interesting census done in 1086 or something that my sister had access to, some stuff in England. The documents are now called the Doomsday Book. Maybe if you've got English ancestry, you'll know about that, where they not only, for taxes, they not only had to say where you lived or where you were on that night, but also everything about your stuff, so how many windows you had in your house, how many knives and forks. So my sister Tracy is able to tell how many knives and forks our ancestors had in the year 1086, so it's pretty wild. So, the cens- so censuses, and of course there's censuses in the Bible. I really don't feel confident that's the word. Um, the book of numbers is called the book of numbers. Guess why? Because it's the numbers of the censuses that Moses did in 1440 BC or something like that. So I'm going to read the uh, brief account. Oh, here's a picture of uh, some ancient people doing a census. You can see they're like writing it down and then they're like, oh, don't forget that one. There's one more, write him down. No, that's not what he's saying. But there is a genuine art of some censuses, a census. Okay, so in the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, written by Dr. Luke, uh, about Jesus' birth. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census, uh aha, we know what that is, should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. So all returned to their ancestral land. Joseph went up to the town of Nazareth Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. So that's King David. You know, from David and Goliath, that's the same David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child we already knew that too. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there were no guest rooms available for them. So I just wondered... And I hope, I imagine you all do too. Why did Luke put so much information in here about the census and Quirinius and it was the first and they all had to do this? Why didn't he just give the account of Jesus being born? Hey, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Why didn't he start there? Why does he give us all this details? And there's a reason. First of all, for the people hearing this, Uh, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem and born of the line from King David, that that was their ancestry, that just shows again and again uh, pointing to Jesus as the Saviour, as the Messiah. There are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament that point to Jesus that he fulfilled. There's hundreds of them. Uh, There's some mathematician who made up a statistical analysis of how likely it is that one person could fulfill all these and it was one to the, I don't know how to say it, heaps of zeros bigger than I can count, much more than billions, like getting into gazillions, like really, really not a statistical uh, chance. And Jesus fulfilled them all. So him being born in Bethlehem, that's what it's like. Ta-da, Jesus fulfills prophecies. But more than that, they would have seen, well, as well as that, they would have seen that Jesus was a man like them, born under Roman rule, born into this time where someone far, far away, Augustus, the emperor, could make a decision in his special um, house far away, and it it affects where Jesus is born. It affects his day-to-day life, for good or bad. The political and the societal uh, climate that Jesus was born into shaped his physical world, and as it does for us, as it does for every person throughout history who's ever read this. But more true than that, even though we are people shaped by circumstances, more true than that is that the life of Jesus for hundreds, for thousands of years was prophesied by God, God was saying... Augustus thinks he's in charge when he's making this decree, let's have a census, but I'm in charge. God is in charge. For thousands of years, he's saying to his people, this is going to happen. The Savior's going to be born in this place, on this night, in Bethlehem, by these parents. God's promises will come true. Not, we're not people just shaped by our circumstances. We're people covered by God's promises and God's will will ultimately be done. How good is that? That's good. It's not up to the Augustuses of the world, Augustae, Augusti, or Evs. So the message of Christmas is good news. The Lord is with us. There you go. In John 1, 14, it says, my favourite line, the word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. God, outside of time, outside of creation, became flesh and was counted among us. Literally, in the census, counted among us. He took his place in history, a concrete place, to be counted among us, that we would be able to be reconciled to God and be counted as his. This, this isn't one of those stories that gets made up around Christmas time. This isn't a fairy tale. There's, there's the weight of historical evidence to say that Jesus was a man born in this time and place at the time when they had the census in that town by these people who said that he was one with God and who did miraculous healings. Even atheist scholars say because of the burden of this historical evidence I don't believe in God, but I have to say Jesus did miraculous healings. There's too much evidence to say that he didn't and to say that he died on the cross, crucified and died under the Roman rule and that his disciples at the time refused to say that he didn't rise from the dead. They said he rose from the dead and they refused to unsay it even as they were put to torture and death themselves. There's this weight of evidence that this isn't just a story this is reality the greater reality of God that God became flesh God became man to be among us so he knows look at that story he's there's no place for him at the end you know Jesus knows what it's like to not have a place for him to not have room for him, to be rejected, to have stresses on his family. Hebrews 14, it says, we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathise with our weaknesses. We have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus became just like us in every way except for sin he experienced the hurt and the weakness the strain and the stress the ups and the downs just like we did and sometimes it's difficult to understand why we look at the cross we're like what's that got to do with me okay I agree he was back in history there was a census he got written down but how does that affect me now why would God do that there's a story uh And I've completely made up the pictures to it so they might not all significantly match. And if you're a person who likes to perhaps shoot geese, you might uh, think other other ways about these pictures. Um, This is a story about some geese and it explains really simply why Jesus came to be a man. One snowy Christmas Eve... A woman was taking her children to church in the farming community where they lived. She asked her husband to come, but he refused. That story is nonsense, he said. Why would a god lower himself to earth and become a man? It makes no sense. It's ridiculous. So she and the children left, and he stayed home. A while later, the winds grew and the snow turned into a blizzard. It's very tricky to get blizzard photos because they're just all white. (laughs) As as the man looked out the window, all he saw was the blinding snowstorm. I should have just had a white one. That would have been funny. He sat down to relax before the fire for the evening, and then he heard a loud thump. Something had hit the window. Then another thump. He looked out, but he couldn't even see more than a few feet. When the snow let up a little bit, he ventured outside to see what was beating on his window. In the field near his house, he saw a flock of wild geese. They had been flying south for the winter and they got stuck in the snowstorm and they couldn't go on. They were lost. They were stranded on his farm. They flapped their wings around. And they flew in low circles aimlessly and blindly. And a couple of them flew into the window in the barn. And the good man felt sorry for the geese and he wanted to help them. There they are, flapping lowly. (laughs) The barn would be a good place for them to stay. He thought it's warm and it's safe and they could spend the night there and wait out the storm and get going in the morning. So he walked to the barn and he opened the doors wide and then he waited and he waited and the geese just flapped aimlessly and they wouldn't come in. The man tried to get their attention but it just seemed to scare them and they moved further away. He went into the house, he came back with some bread, he made breadcrumbs trails and they still didn't catch on. Nothing he could do was getting them into the barn and now he's getting frustrated He got behind them, he tried to shoo them into the barn, but they scattered everywhere. Why don't they follow me, he explained. Can't they see this is the only place they can survive the storm? He thought for a moment and he realised they're just not going to follow a human. If only I were a goose, he said, then I could save them, then they'd follow me. There they are, not following. Then he had an idea. He went into the barn and he got one of his own geese and he carried it in his arms. He circled around behind the flock of wild geese and he released it. As he released it, his goose flew through the flock straight into the barn, safe and warm, and one by one, the other goose followed it to safely He stood silently for a moment as the words he'd spoken replayed in his mind, if only I were a goose, then I could save them. Then they'd follow me. And then he thought about what he'd said to his wife. Why would God become like us? And suddenly it made sense. That is what God had done. We were like the geese, lost, blind, perishing. God had his son Jesus become like us, as one of us, so we could see him, so we could hear him and understand him and follow him to the safety of being reconciled to God. Jesus is, the story of Christmas is Jesus is with us. Jesus is one of us, a man in every way like us except for sin, so that we can understand God and come to God. There's a psalm in the Bible, uh, Psalm 139. They're not very uh, excitingly named. They're just kind of numbered. So this one's 139. Uh, a psalm in the Bible is, is a song. It's a prayer. And this one's written by King David, the same David with the David and Goliath, um, and who's going to become the great, 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 however many grandfather of Jesus, the same David. And he, he just comes to this revelation of how much God loves him of how much god knows him and he's he's just astounded he says where can i go to be away from your presence god he understands that god is with him all the time god is with him and it's too much for him to even understand the knowledge is too great once i this is my favorite Psalm. once i was eating a bowl of wheat bix hands up if you do like wheat bix i was kind of trying to be healthy i'm having my weakness yeah not many people put their hand up so, um, I was eating a bowl of very plain wheat and milk a few years ago and I I had this sudden understanding of how much God knows me and God loves me over a bowl of wheat God will use anything. So, I was just about to take my next delicious spoon of the wheat cardboardy stuff and I just realized God knows Every grain of wheat in this wheat box, God stood with the farmers as they watched their fields. God was among the community of people as they harvested. God stood with the workers. His presence was with the workers in the sanitarium factory as they processed it. He was with, you know, the teenage person whose first job it was to stack the shelves at Woolworths, where I got it from wondering what he's going to do with his first paycheck or whatever he was doing at Woolworths. God is with every grain of wheat in that wheat box, every step of the way, and then with me as I ate it. And then with me as I ate it, I I just put my spoon down and I just cried, just cried like David did. Your knowledge of me is too great. It's beyond our understanding that the Lord is with us and knows us, knows everything about us, even greater than we could ever know about ourselves. He knows even the history of the clothes that we're wearing. He knows, you know, where you're going to go. He knows where you've been before. He knows every thought you've had, every word upon your lips before you even go to say it. The word of God says he knows every hair on our head. And Psalm one thirty eight, 139, that's what it says. David says, Lord, you've examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I stand up or when I sit down. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. A different version of this says you see me when I come in and when I go out. Once I walked into church and it was late and the church I went to had real like, green, awesome green linoes a long, long middle aisle and I had these super squeaky shoes and I like to sit in the front row even if I'm late but I did think that I could just sort of sneak into church and the preacher was reading the psalm and he stopped while I squeak, 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 squeak all the way out the middle aisle everyone looked uh, squeak, 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 squeak sat in the front row and then straight away he read you know when I come in and when I go out I thought everybody knows when I came in I tried to sneak in, but God always sees. When I travel, when I rest, you know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. Your hand of blessing is on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your presence If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the furthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me, your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in the darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as the day. There's nowhere we can go that's outside of God's presence. This Christmas message that Jesus is with us, the Lord is with us, is just the best news we could ever have. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, Isaiah prophesied and said that this saviour would be born of a virgin and we will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That's who Jesus is. God is with us. And when we grasp that in every area of our lives that I'm not alone. I'm not walking through this thing alone. I'm not on my own in any way. God is with me. Then that changes everything. Emmanuel, God with me, that changes everything. Jesus came to be counted under that awesome census in a concrete time and place, but he didn't stay there in history. He spread himself into every moment of every human being's life. His presence is with us even now. So Christmas is not, as the shops would have us believe, about getting more presents. It's about knowing I live in the presence of God. The certainty of hope, Jesus, is with us. No matter how high you go, how great everything is, you're just right in the top of the world, everything's smooth, everything's wonderful, everything you touch turns to gold. God is with you. And no matter how low you go, your life is in tatters. You feel you've reached rock bottom and then you trip and go lower, whether it's through your own, whether it's through circumstances or even through your very own fault. Even there, God's hand reaches out to you. Even there, God's strength We'll support you. Yeah, there's nowhere we can go. We're never off his radar. He's never looked away. The Lord is with us, even now. Um, can I have the music team, please? Don't think that that means I'm almost done. I know sometimes that's what it means, but not today. Just like them to stand up for a while. Maybe I could get you all to stand for a moment. Because I know that Christmas can be a really difficult time for some people, that, uh, you know, the world tells us, Buy more stuff, get more things, get the most expensive thing you can. And if you don't have a tree, chock-a-block with stuff under it, if you're not getting every new gadget and every most exciting thing, then your Christmas will be a dud. Or that we all have to have houses filled with, you know, happy, happy relatives. everyone smiling, all the children clean at all times, no fighting, no tears. No empty houses, all very Brady Bunchland. So if you are going to have a Christmas where you don't have um, fills of presents and you don't have houses filled with happy relatives, then Christmas can be a really lonely experience. And I know that. I haven't had Christmas with my family for 14 years. Not a speck of family. And many times, apart from my children, yes, they were there. (laughs) I mean the others. Many times, my husband also isn't here. This Christmas, I don't think he'll be here either. But God's word is true that we're never alone. God is with us. God's word says, i will never leave you i will never forsake you i have called you by name you are mine i have carved your name on the palm of my hand so when you find yourself maybe this christmas maybe another time when you find yourself sitting in a room on your own you tell that room you tell yourself room self things are not as they appear this is not what it looks like. These circumstances aren't quite true. I am not now. I never have been, I never will be alone. God is with me. He has called me by name. He has carved my name on the palm of his hand. I am his. He has called me by name. He will never leave me. Even if I go down to the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, why? Because God is with me. The Lord's promises are true, and everything else, including our circumstances, is just not as it appears. It's just not the fullness of truth. We're never alone, no matter what you're going to go through over this year. We don't know what 2017 has in store for us, but God does. Psalm 139 says, he's gone behind me. He goes before me. His hand of blessing is on my head. God is for us, not against us. If God is for us, who can be against us? So we give Jesus this year ahead. We give Jesus this Christmas, this New Year's, whatever burden we're carrying. If there's an experience of carrying a burden for Christmas, the kids and the cash and the... The presence, it's all just a pressure on you. Or if you're feeling like you're going to be lonely, none of that stuff is true. What's true is that Jesus became a man to make his dwelling among us. And he's with us now. I'll just just where you're standing, just for a minute more, I'll just ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads, if you will just so no one's looking. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, or maybe you feel like there's just a distance between how you've been living and living close to Jesus, living close to Christ, and you want to recommit your days to Him, your year to Him, then all you have to do is speak with Him in your heart. The Bible says God... So loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, whoever believes in him will never die but have eternal life. All we need to do is believe in him. And that picture of Jesus being born in a manger is a picture of hope to us. We don't have to have it all together. We don't have to have clean, sorted, pure lives. Jesus came to that manger 2,000 years ago and he'll come into our lives no matter what state they're in tonight. If you have heard this Christmas story time and time again and you never thought it was real and now you're just beginning to think maybe, maybe it is real. Or if you're thirsty, just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're thirsty, if you're hearing all this stuff about joy and about hope and you're standing there thinking, I don't have that. I don't have that joy. I don't have that peace. I don't have that unconditional love. I need to be forgiven. I want to be made clean. Or if you're not even sure why you came here tonight, you just came for the free meal or you just came because it's some Christmassy thing you thought you had to do, but now your heart's racing. Your mind's racing. You're starting to feel. Can it really be true that God is with me every day, every night, even from before I was born? Is God with me? If that's you or if you feel that you just if you feel you just want that hope-filled life, if you feel that you just, you know, you need that forgiveness, you need to be made clean, if you want to pray to Jesus tonight, then while everyone's got their heads bowed and their eyes closed, no one's looking around, if you'd like to pray that prayer and reach out to Jesus tonight, I'm just going to ask you just to raise your hand. Just raise your hand nice and high. Nobody's looking. That's just a sign just between you and God that you're reaching out to him he's already reaching out to us thank you God I see your hand thank you I see the hand thank you Jesus if you want to recommit your year or commit 2017 to the Lord now, if you want to just raise your hand as well, just believe in Jesus in your heart that every day you want to give to the Lord. He's gone before you. No matter what this year holds, He's gone before you. He goes before you He makes straight the crooked paths. His power goes before you. His hand of blessing goes on your head. You walk into this year with God at your side, before you and behind you and holding you up. Mm. Lord Jesus, you were born, you became a man to be counted in that census. The Romans thought they were in charge, but God, for thousands of years you had it prophesied so we would know that you are in control, that your will, your promises, your purposes will be fulfilled. Jesus, just pray for every person here. As we lay down our lives, as we lay down our year, you were counted among men in that first census. We stand here today to be counted as yours. Let's pray that we all would walk into this year and go through this Christmas and go through these holidays knowing no matter what the circumstances around us are, that you are with us, that the Lord is with us. Amen. Amen. You can take your seats.